0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Addendum Podcast. So today we're very honored to have a, a Dr. Pim here with us from Africa and in the, I believe in the Sahel region right now. And uh, so Dr. Pim, instead of me doing your introduction for you, could you tell us a little bit about how you became a, a professor of translation, British civilization and literature, and then became a mayor of a town in South Africa that was later converted into an
1: eco-village.
2: Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Henry and Camila. I, I am very pleased to be here today with you, exchanging with you also around the environmental and socio-economic issues in this uh, region, the Sahel. I'm um, talking to you right now from Dakar, the capital of Senegal, and where also I work. Uh, I am at Sheikh Diop University, where I was educated and um, but I mean, I grew up in the north of Senegal in a small village called the by the border with Mauritania. And uh, very young, I used to help my grandmother, who was a shepherdess, to look after her cattle. One hundred uh, cows and each cow had this, a story, uh, you know, a name, uh, and then she could really communicate very well with her cows. And uh, when I did not go to school, I would go and uh, you know spend the, our time together, you know very far from the village in the uh, in the forest you know to um, uh, for it and uh, you know we would spend you know hours and hours uh, without uh, water, without food, but I mean I was really nourished by the stories she told me about, you know, the past, about how it used to be uh, in this region, Uh, because now it's a a barren uh, uh, area with almost no trees. It's very hot, very dusty, windy. Uh, So the climate change realities is, is, uh, you know, very much present. And uh, when she was young, when my grandmother was young, uh, she, there were lions, there were uh, all sorts of uh, wild animals in this area, all sorts of birds, crocodiles, uh, hippos. Uh, and then she told me she could walk from one village to the other without seeing the sun. It you know, the, 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 the forest itself was very exuberant, uh, lush, and, uh, and life also was very easy. And to me, as a young uh, kid, teenager, this all, all these stories, you know, were, were very much present in my uh, mind, in my life. And then, you know, all the films she told me. I think my grandmother was uh, my number one educator. And uh, she, you know, uh, initiated me to ecology without me really knowing, because uh, she did this very delicately through the stories and everything. And then for me, naturally, as a, an educator, um, I also find it and also a native from this area. Uh, it's, uh, my duty also to uh, do everything I can, and to, uh, bring back the forest, to bring back all these, uh, uh, luxurious, you know, uh, uh, uh ecosystems.
0: Definitely. And, uh, so how did your background with your grandmother and the fact that she was really your biggest educator contributed you to becoming someone who's um who might say that's a very untraditional path for someone in your region to become a professor uh, in university and then later going into politics
2: yeah um um i mean as i i mean still when i was a uh, um, a student uh because i also um uh, in my school i witnessed um, an injustice I could not forget because in my school there was one a classmate who was not only the most brilliant student in uh, our classroom but also in the entire school and at some point you know the director wanted uh, to get something built in the school and he asked each student you know to contribute about you know 200 francs a CFA which is almost nothing it doesn't even cost you know a coffee in some other places and this student unfortunately could not you know afford this and um so the director was just very very you know was strict he said stay home and unfortunately uh, my uh, classmate who was very very brilliant was in that situation and he wouldn't he could not find his way back to school and later he became uh, very sick, uh, he had uh, tuberculosis, uh, he was a tailor. Um, that, you know, was really hard for, for us. Yeah. Um, and then I, when I was in England, I shared the story also with some friends, and then we decided to do something about this. We started, you know, collecting money to give uh, school children you know, uh, school materials and also build classrooms for the, you know, to uh, increase the of the schools so that many of the kids, you know, could find. And I'm happy to say today we have built, you know, 13 classrooms and have given the opportunity to 650 uh, students every year to go and, you know, uh, go to school, learn, and also prepare for a much better future. So um my commitment also uh, was um, really started because also of this I started working with the different uh, classroom uh, you know schools villages uh encouraging you know young kids to go to school and learn um and then from education also I moved to other uh, areas like uh, uh, encouraging also the young people to uh, uh, plant trees, uh, you know, in different places, etc. Uh, in 2008, my village, for the very first time of its history, was looking for a mayor because we were promoted uh, municipality and we, many people did not know what a municipality was and how it works. And they turned to me. They say, "Okay, we would like you to run for the mayor." I said, "Oh no, 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 no! I can't do that. I'm a university teacher. I'm very busy. I've got lots of other things to do." No, sorry. Uh, there were. They came to my family. They talked to my wife, to friends, uh, uh, and then I accepted. You know, to uh, take up the challenge. I mean, it was. There were also other competitors who were more, comp- uh, who were very competent, who were also willing, who were who wanted also to become mayor and uh, just by chance I won the elections and then I became the very very first mayor of this community of 7,000 inhabitants in the north so as I was uh, very much involved in ecovillage uh, uh, policies and practices in the country and around the country you now uh, what I proposed to my uh, municipality was to transition my uh, small town into an eco-community and then we started working with the minister, uh, council with the district chiefs with the traditional leaders with women with uh, you know and uh, yeah and then gradually i think also at the national level uh, we were recognized as such and then we uh, there was a lot of energy that was pulled into uh, the the community and we also While we were going through these uh, transformation, we also encouraged surrounding villages also to uh, do the same. And uh, gradually also we uh, uh, had the uh, the idea of setting up a a network of uh, eco-villages. And the biggest uh, project program we have is to uh, federate 50 traditional villages in Senegal and 50 traditional villages in Mauritania to uh, turn it into an eco-village hub. And uh, I am very happy to also um, inform you that at the moment we're working uh, on a nursery, big nursery project to uh, develop, uh, to grow 1,000 trees, uh, which is quite a lot, um, impressive. And then people, while we're talking now, people are very busy on the ground, you know, uh, turning this into reality. And we're looking for volunteers, uh, wherever they are, Uh, especially in your uh, place. uh, There is also a possibility to uh, um, uh, contribute to this, uh, even uh, at a distance, because we have also this uh, uh, Redis Agile team, uh, which the members of of which are from different places around the world, and they support what is going on uh, here in the Sahel region.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, first of all, congratulations on all your progress so far. And uh, we'll come back to that a bit later in this episode. And also, I just want to let our listeners know that um, all the information on volunteering for Redis Eco Villages will be in the description of this uh, video. Um, sorry, you. podcast. Uh, Thank you. So, yeah, I'll now give it to Camilla, and she has some other questions.
3: Yes, indeed. Thank you for your wonderful answer. That was very, very impressive and so interesting to listen to. Um, so yes. we actually now like to ask you a bit about your role as president of the Global Eco Village Network in Africa. Um, we were wondering, um, while serving this role, what are your goals and visions?
2: Yes, um, pull you know, many people portray. Africa as a poor, dangerous country, as a a place no one wants to go to on holidays. And Africa is far from this. Africa is a beautiful country, a beautiful continent, a rich culture. And uh, of course, Africans uh, have not contributed to uh, very much, you know, to climate change. And uh, here in Africa, we are also cleaning the mess that the industrial a civilization created um, we have more deserts uh, we have our rivers that are polluted by all these uh, uh, sort of uh, so-called modern agriculture uh, which are real wars real wars against you know the insects the ecosystems and that that also end up poisoning the rivers poisoning people's health poisoning uh and also getting them into debts. Um, and this model uh is definitely against our interests and against also the ecosystems so um, i think there is a rising awareness uh all over the continent in africa that people need to find alternative uh ways to develop their uh areas their communities uh and also because uh, you know this model that comes to us uh from the west is not really uh uh, the right uh, model for us. I mean, I mean, we Africans also we have to uh, do a lot of intros- introspection and to see where we are in this world, what we would like to achieve, where we would like to go, and uh, what are our values, what are our worldview, mindset, because development, you know, is uh, take into account all this at the same time. Um, We cannot uh, develop the way the US, the United States has uh, developed. We cannot develop the way Japan or so we need to find a way that is really African, that is based on African views, African values. And uh, so in uh, 2012, uh, we had the delegations from the different parts of Africa. We met in Sekem, which is an excellent eco village uh, in Egypt. and uh we decided to set up uh you know a pan-african eco village network and uh i was uh, also i happened to be elected as president of uh, this uh, new network and the role is you know to uh, uh, you know create a space where we can uh uh, exchange knowledge where we can exchange experiences where we can support each other and inspire each other for example uh, through this network, we uh, n- uh, know for, uh, in uh, Zimbabwe and uh, South uh, Africa, we have this uh, wonderful organize- organization called Riscope, uh, which works in uh, schools to green schools uh, and bring food to the schools and also educate the kids at the same time. Successful, brilliant idea. And the Senegalese people uh, who have been in contact with such a project, I mean, as educators, so they also try to do the same thing uh, in Senegal. I mean, in their high schools, there is a network, a very active dynamic uh, network of uh, high schools in Senegal called Ecolico. Uh, They also try to do exactly the same thing, like in Zimbabwe and green the schools, teach, educate the kids, so that they can also produce uh, their, in, in their own school and at the same time, you know, inspire the change of the, of the host village around. Uh, and this is uh, wonderful. So uh, this uh, Pan-African Village Network, again, is to share knowledge, experiences and support. So we have uh, experts who come from different places and, uh, you know, teach people and, you know, uh, this way, uh, we can just, you know, implement uh, real change, sustainable change, at uh, you know grassroots level through the expertise of Africans.
3: Thank you for your wonderful, wonderful answer. Um, yeah. I will now head to Henry, who will dive deeper into the topic of eco-villages that you mentioned. Yeah.
0: Um, Thank actually, you. Actually, uh, before we go specifically into eco-villages, I want to touch a bit more on the point of African values and African culture. So you were born in Bodium. Please correct my correct pronunciation if yes. I'm wrong. Um, so it was on the border between Senegal and Mauritania, which is uh, at the center of an old African kingdom known as Futa Toro. Um, right. So this sort of going on a tangent here, but how does this rich African cultural history that uh, a lot of people in the West especially ignores become one of uh, the motivators of your work? And how does uh, this history impact what you, what you do?
2: I am very impressed by all the high quality research you've made on the region. I feel that you know a lot about it. (laughs) And thank you so much for bringing up all these interesting questions. Um, You know, in my area, uh, money was introduced not long ago. Uh, And in many villages, um, so people, you know, share and still share, you know, the resources they have. and also, you know, Africans are fine travelers. They are they travel all over. These people, I mean, the houses do not have even doors, because uh, and uh, travels so, so a lot because uh, every house is a potential hotel. You can go into the house, stay as long as you wish. You will have food. You will sh- share everything that is available in this uh, in this area and again um this uh, for me i mean as a rural boy when i got my a levels and i had to come to university i came for the first time to dakar um i was very shocked to see someone eating from the garbage uh, you know in dakar which is a big city relatively rich and everything and in my area such a thing would never happen because uh, um, when we, uh, I mean, the doors are open to everyone. You can share meals wherever you go. And uh, so this is uh, important. And also when it comes to marriages in my area, tributes to the success of the marriage, they bring gifts, they bring, you know, uh, they bear the costs. Uh, when it's mourning, uh, when it's uh, sad ceremonies, the people are there. They're also there to support. Um, And, uh, you know, this is real happiness, you know, uh, where people are not worried about who will come to their place, who will steal. Uh, The children are the children of everyone in the the village. They educate all this. They take all the challenges together, which, you know, I think brings, gives a notion of uh, security, a notion of well-being, a notion of being surrounded by people who love you. And, uh, you know, in the big towns, I think this is getting lost a little bit. But in the villages, still people, um, when they talk, I mean, speak, uh, speech, you know, is orality, it's a civilization of orality. People do not uh, sign complicated documents and everything. When, for example, we uh, negotiate after we agree, then that's the signature. Everyone will respect this. But again, with the modernity in the urban centers, the values are changing because uh, in the urban centers, you've got uh, schools, uh, Western schools, you've got the internet, you've got access to uh, international media. And uh, I think things are changing very, very slowly. Again, I think it's important for Africans, whether in towns or in uh, the rural areas, to be aware of all these changes, to be aware of what they're losing in globalization, what they can also gain from uh, from the West. So uh, actually, I mean, uh, the, the vision we have is to have uh, Africans who are deeply rooted in their own culture, traditions, but also open to the rest of the world so that we can also take the best in the technology, the best in other cultures, and, you know, become citizens uh, uh, of, uh, of this earth. So uh, because today, no one can really live in a very uh locked this uh, space it's all open but i mean we need to uh, be nourished by uh you know um, our cultures and also by uh, the contribution of uh, just as well
0: yeah so i guess your your vision with uh, eco villages really is trying to um sort of integrate the west uh, technology and the good stuff from modernization and globalization with the traditional values Uh, of Africa, Uh, am I correct?
2: I think not only uh, technologies, but again today if we see modern, uh, well, uh, the media and uh, all its ideologies and all these multinationals, I think there are very thick between people. Fear is used as a, a commodity, you know, to sell so many things. To sell weapons, to uh, really uh, prevent people from traveling, from interacting. I think we all suffer within these very small borders, and because spiritually, mentally, we are all oppressed in in one way or the other. I think it's uh, very, very important uh, to establish bridges between communities, between countries, between uh, you know cultures and civilizations, so that people can really reinvent. The notion of fraternity, reinvent the notion of living together. So the whole world needs this. Today, if you go to the West, you know you will find people who are extremely material, um, uh, very rich. You know when it comes to material, they've got money, they've got everything, but they're not happy inside because they feel uh, empty, they feel uh, uh, isolated, uh, marginalized, and everything. Um, I think uh, the notion of happiness really depends on the quality of the relationships we uh, weave between us, between communities, between the countries. So uh, what the eco-villages would like to see is this reinvention of fraternity between all people, uh, north, south, east, west, so that we can uh, travel, learn, grow together, protect this planet. Uh, in divisions, we will create, you know, we will wreak havoc, we will damage the ecosystems, and then the wealth will be concentrated more and more in just uh, less than 1% uh, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the planet. Percent will starve, will get sick, will get stressed. And, uh, you know, uh, I think this is what ecovillages are about. You know, it's a new dream, a new frontier, so that people can just, you know, Free themselves from all these artificial constraints and really look at uh, each other like a brother, like a sister, so that we can, you know, live on a more peaceful, more joyful planet.
0: Yeah, great. it sounds really, really good. Great, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll come back to my personal take on this in, after a bit. After so, uh, actually, before we move on to get dive deeply into the topic of Redis Eco um, so you talk about uh, your grandmother telling you a lot of stories from the areas where you used to live So could you use one of the stories to demonstrate the historical and environmental characteristics of the region?
2: Yeah um, And again um, My grandmother as I told you grew up in an in an area surrounded by lions surrounded by crocodiles uh, one day uh, she, while she was just looking after her cattle, she had uh, one of my ankles on her back, and a lion was about to attack uh, her cattle. And she put my uncle on the on the ground, and then she sh- shouted to the top of her voice. Uh, and then that was enough, you know, to scare the lion away and uh, stop it from attacking uh, her cattle. Uh, some other day, uh, she took, uh, her cattle also to the river for their cattle to drink. Uh, all of a sudden it was one of the small, uh, you know, uh, was attacked by a, a huge crocodile. I mean, in her place, I would have just run away to save my own life, but my grandmother wasn't the kind of woman, to, you know, to run away, uh, from, you know, saving her own, uh, cows. So she went down to the river and then she hold the uh, back uh, paws of the, of, the, of the cattle and then with one stick, with her stick, she was just, you know, beating, fighting the crocodile till finally the, cro- the crocodile left the, the animal. But the animal uh, died. And uh, uh, in my area also, people can uh, talk, communicate with animals. Uh, for example... Hippos are thought to have knowledge, Uh, and for example, the fishermen venerate the hippos, uh, they venerate crocodiles. And uh, so when you cross the river, uh, you also ask for forgiveness for disturbing the elements in the river. Uh, Before you take um, leaves for medical, medicinal purposes, you also have to pray. You don't go every day, you have to go on specific days uh and specific hour and also you make sacrifice like a give back like a salt like a water, something in return and so that you know also the tree can serve you with generosity if you go to the southern part of my country in Casamas, for example when a person passes away uh and then during the burial they bury this person with uh, some seeds And then when these seeds grow and uh, come out, these these are seen as the reincarnation of the soul of the person. So, and this forms uh, sacred woods. Sacred woods uh, are divided into zones. Some zones are for young children. Other zones are for women alone. Other zones are for the elders. So to go from one zone to the other, you know, you know, you need to be of a certain age, of a certain status. Uh, and then these uh, sacred forests are like temples. People go in to pray. People go in when they have troubles. They go inside these uh, uh, to discuss. For example, for the women, if uh, 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 to create safe spaces where they can literally share everything. And also... Um, go through some rituals to repay also the damage. I think uh, this was a very, very balanced way of uh, uh, you know, uh, looking after ecosystems, creating abundance uh, and also leading a very peaceful uh, life.
0: And I think you you are bringing all this cultural background and um, the way of um... Working together with the ecosystem into the notion of your Mm -hmm. eco-villages.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, because science cannot explain everything. Yes. It's important because uh, there are many dark uh, spots, you know, in science. I think uh, spirituality involves all this. It's important today for us to live a very balanced life, for us to live in harmony with nature also to develop this spirituality and spirituality doesn't just mean you know uh you know being a christian or a muslim no it's uh, uh all this you know how we relate with we with with the, with the earth with the world with life around us if we respect life we are already uh, uh we preserve life we are already you know spiritual it's important you know to cultivate this so that you know uh, people uh You know, start really respecting the resources and, uh, you know, uh, these uh, Western uh, companies that just come and slash everything and just see opportunities, economic opportunities. No, I mean, uh, money is not everything. So we need to find ways to, uh, you know, really improve our living conditions, but at the same time also be sure to leave the planet planet to our kids to our grandchildren um, and also lead a healthy life and uh, uh, today uh, it's just uh, uh, I mean the model we are applying to this world is uh, no longer working and we need to find something and some other alternatives and I think in the shaping of this new world Africa has a lot to teach Africa will not play the second roles Africa, the wisdom, the traditional wisdoms in what, uh, what we call indigenous cultures, you know, are the real values that the world needs to know to promote in order also to save uh, climate change, in order to save this planet. Um, and uh, this also Africans need to understand this, you know, because uh, it's very easy today to be brainwashed by what we hear, by what we see on, uh, in the virtual world. Uh, And then uh, people uh, will forget I think yes, we need to to review what education is how to educate our people how to uh, We are at a very important traditional moment in the history uh, in the movement of uh, this planet very interesting all at the same time
0: yeah um, That's why we're doing this broadcast in the first place to inform our listeners and ourselves of uh, important changes that are not only going on in the West but also in other parts of the world and how important other parts of the world can be um, so now finally we can dive deeper to the topic of eco villages so i'll mm-hmm. hand it to camilla thank
3: you oh sure um, so thank you for going into all those details about um everything that you just taught us on that was so so interesting and so so informing so thank you once again um, we would then like to ask you what are eco villages Um, They're so interesting, but I think a lot of our listeners, and myself included, are not necessarily too familiar with the concept, and so we would like to hear an explanation from you, an absolute expert.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, There are uh, different kinds of eco-villages. The eco-villages in the north uh, are totally different from the eco-villages in the south. But again, uh, the objective is maybe the same to live more harmoniously with uh, the earth and make a living that is uh, sustainable um so uh the idea is really to um uh be rooted on the on the local culture and also uh, develop um uh, a model develop a lifestyle that uh, is both in harmony with the, with the nature with the people around you uh, very uh, balance, you know, life. So uh, in the north, I know also with uh, the industrial and post-industrial uh, area, um, so families were broken and uh, the sense of community were lost, was, was lost. Um, and uh, in the north, people are coming together to form communities, to learn again how to uh, live together, and share in openness. And of course, you know, they've got their own challenges. So in the South here, where we already have very strong uh, communities, uh, very much what we would like to do is really to revive these uh, uh, the best sides of our cultures because not everything also is bright in our cultures here. We need to be aware of this uh, to revive the best sides of our culture and uh, also integrate uh, clean uh, technologies like uh, alternative all these uh, renewable energies uh, and many other also uh, clean technologies so that we can upgrade standards of our own communities. So uh, the approaches are different but I mean ultimately the goal is really to uh, reinvent a new world, to reinvent new relationships that are based on the mutual respect, that are based also on the research for nature and uh, so uh, uh, I think eco-villages are sort of uh, open laboratories where so many things happen, and uh, yeah, we're trying to find ways to reinvent uh, our world, to reinvent the way uh, we consume, the way we uh, relate to one another. Uh, I think it's a dream. So, and every eco-village, you know, is based on a specific. Uh, uh, uh on a uh, specific also uh, social on specific social realities and uh while you know also uh, taking care of the um uh of the ecology to produce also abundance i think it's about uh, redistribution of wealth uh, to producing wealth uh connecting and trying also really to uh revive people to nurture people to uh create also a new mindset also in in uh, among in, in in the communities uh, and i can really call you know uh, call these ecovillages are of uh, you know uh, in uh, in this world i've been to several ecovillages around the world like uh, india in india i was in oroville uh, uh, in the middle of nowhere they built in, you know they planted millions of uh, of trees and then they try to uh live together they've got a big a huge kitchen where the all the community eats uh, they uh, support each other they exchange services they have also what they call um um portus. it's a store uh called uh, the for all so the farmer who produces beans bring part of the beans you know into uh, the store the other who produces potatoes also brings this So anyone in the community who needs something goes into this um, store and they can serve themselves uh, without having to pay. But I mean, because everyone knows that this is Commonwealth. This is absolutely wonderful. Uh, In other places also, they've got other sorts of uh, uh, communities based on spirituality. And uh, for example, Damanbur in Italy. Uh, Yeah, it's growing all over. Uh, with different uh, cultural sensibilities, but definitely with lots of generosity, lots of solidarity and cooperation between people.
3: Thank you. And um, I would just also like to ask, um, when did you first get interested in the idea of eco-villages?
2: I think uh, the term ecovillage can, itself can be very confusing for Africans. Because Africans have always lived in an ecological way, sharing resources, mining, uh uh, you know nature respecting you know also one another so um in 2004 i was contacted by uh, some friends here in dakar to go and give a course on african literature to students who wanted to go and start you know supporting an eco village somewhere in senegal and then i got caught up you know i got really interested in this and then I found out, you know, this could be just a holistic way of, uh, you know, developing our rural communities. And I became, you know, the academic director of this. And later again, as you know, I became the mayor. I went to Oroville, to other places, to find out. Uh, yeah, it's a, a, a never-ending learning process for our, all of us, you know, uh, in uh, eco-villages. Uh, um, yes, so. Um, uh, we learn, we learn, and then uh, it it really goes well also with uh, and also uh, history and uh, cultures.
3: And so, um, did your involvement in um, this project and um, the building of eco villages um, change or impact or affect the way you think and perceive your surroundings?
2: Oh, most definitely. Um, because at university, you mentioned it at this at the beginning of this uh, uh, program. Um, I mean, I am a teacher of uh, British literature. Uh, it's quite interesting, you know. Shakespeare can be very interesting, but Shakespeare, uh, knowing all the production of Shakespeare, will not really feed uh, the people in uh, rural areas in Senegal. It's a, something like a luxury. And uh, I think uh, I started, you know, really reducing my teaching, I was at the university to be more involved in community development projects, like, uh, you know, getting wells for people to have access to water, building classrooms, uh, you know, supporting, you know, uh, communities uh, in a very direct and pragmatic, you know, way, Um, I think. Being involved in eco-villages has changed a lot my life. I could have, you know, easily earned so much money, go to places where I can earn, uh, you know, money. But I mean, again, money is not everything. Um, And um, I feel more connected with my people. I feel connected with my communities. And uh, I think yes, my happiness is here with the people. And I think I suppose I change. Also, I'll try to change. You know the, uh, you know the communities around.
3: Thank you for your wonderful answer. Um, you. Before moving on, I would also like to ask that um, upon research, we found that there are four categories that eco-villages aim to protect. So, could you briefly explain what they are and their significances? C- uh,
2: categories of what? Sorry, sorry, sorry. So go ahead, Henry.
3: Go ahead. Oh, okay.
2: Um,
0: So uh, Camila's question was that she read somewhere that uh, there were four categories um, that eco-villagers was aiming to protect. So, could you... Oh, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, uh, Every eco-village is founded on four pillars. The, uh, The world view, which is extremely important when you want to change a community, when you want to someone think to their to their own spiritual values and this is extremely important and to the social how to recreate also meaningful social bonds uh, between people and uh, inspiring and nurturing social bonds Uh, so this is uh, number two and three is economics that also make sense that are that does not damage you know the uh, the the ecology an economy that can also redistribute more fairly you know the resources you know among people uh, and not you know uh, allow you know a certain uh, certain areas or certain companies you know to uh, um, hold everything and then also oppress the rest of the of the world. And the the final part, I mean I think is ecology uh, environment. So how to make sure that the environment is also nurtured back, Is can also sustain life. uh, You know, I think uh, the way we've lived all these years, uh, people, you know, use lots of chemicals to kill insects uh, in farming and agriculture. People, you know, use also lots of chemicals, uh, you know, to process food, which also create cancers and so many other, uh, you know, uh, disease. I think we need to find, you know, much healthier and less greedy ways uh, to lead this life. Um, uh, I think uh, perhaps I'm not quite sure to have an, uh, answered your question, but I mean, these four pillars are very uh, clear in eco villages. So worldview, uh, social, and economy.
3: Yes, that definitely but, answered your question very, very well. Thank you so much. Thanks, um, thanks, I'm going to hand it Thank to Henry to continue to, with the interview.
0: Yeah. So, uh, continuing now to specifically Reddy's uh, eco-villages that you're managing. So, how how does it differ uh, from other eco-villages around the world? Since you talk about the different pillars that uh, each eco-villages uh, are founded on, so how does the four pillars of uh, Reddy's eco-villages differ from other eco-villages?
2: Yeah. Um, if you um, go to a village, an eco-village in Scotland, like a horn. Uh, They've got lots of technologies, people are rich, they've got heating systems, they've got, uh, you know, uh, really a lot of uh, expensive technology, Uh, and they're trying to work uh, also on themselves to create a, you know, a harmonious community. Uh, And in the South here, I think uh, also this region had been subjected to uh, 400 years of slavery for, and... uh, centuries of uh, colonial exploitation and uh, also with all sorts of uh, cultural uh, aggressions Um, so um, our mission is really to again uh, um, get the communities uh, move to one direction in uh, uh, regenerating their own environments uh, in regenerating their own also um, our cultural ecosystems, you know, because what's happening now, for example, in the north of Senegal, we are very close to the uh, Sahara Desert um, and, and their the ecosystems are damaged. So the kids are, uh, there's a massive rural exodus. People are leaving the rural exodus to go to uh, big cities to find a better living conditions, to find, you know, uh, more opportunities. And our, uh, ambition is really to create, you know, uh, uh, that will allow these young kids also to believe in themselves, to believe that uh, they can make also their happiness uh, in their own area. Uh, and I don't know, I, I'm quite sure you're aware of all these uh, hundreds and thousands of young people crossing the desert or taking a small boats, you know, to get into Spain. And many of them you know, die on the on the way to, to Southern Spain. And when they come to Spain or to Europe in general, they feel very miserable because it's just a dream they have been sold. And this dream does not really correspond to, to, to reality. It's just important for us in the, the eco villages that we have, awareness very high so that you know, uh, these kids uh, know uh, that what they're sold is just uh, like illusions whether in big cities like Dakar or in, uh, so they can they need to believe in themselves and take their destiny uh, in control and start you know initiatives uh, also together uh, in these in this in these areas.
0: Yeah. So talking about young people in the uh, region and how you talking about their them going escaping from Africa from their reality. So how does And also you talk about you promoting the opportunities for education for 650 students every year, which is, I think it's amazing. But how does uh, Redis Villages promote the notion of education uh, for young young people? And how does uh, it also promote other features such as sustainable living and employment?
2: Yeah, I mean, as an educator, of course, uh, I believe 100% in the power of education. When you educate people, uh, you empower them. You give them power. Um, so in the past years, uh, not only have we been, you know, encouraging you know kids to uh, go to school and stay in school, we have been providing school supplies. We have been building classrooms uh, for the young kids, and at the same time, also we have been giving workshops for the adult people who did not have a chance uh, to go to uh, to school and uh, like uh, how to process and naturally their food. So that they can, you know, use it much later in the year when there's no rain or there's no production, they can either eat or put it on the market to earn to have some income. Uh, we educate people in a number of, uh, of of ways. For example, you know, to get back to the formal education in a small village like Lahil, when people when, uh, you know, in the not long ago, um, about 15 years ago, when someone in this village received a letter they would have to walk about five miles to find someone who can read and write and uh, read the letter uh, for them to understand. So we um, uh, built four classrooms in this school. And today, when you go to this village, you see uh, the kids are so proud they can read and write. And then I also, here at the university, I meet some of the students who you know went to this school and without uh, this school, they wouldn't have the chance even to come to the university. And these kids also, they help their families with small uh, management, uh, writing, uh, you know, for the people who have some small businesses. It's very, very interesting to see how these uh, uh, classrooms has have changed, you know, their, uh, their, their life in this rural village. And again, in another place, uh, Bakumbel, which is also in the center of, of Senegal, where they have a big uh, school, but they had no power, no electricity and by the simple fact of bringing solar panels into this uh, village it increased uh, the uh, the learning time of the kids and uh, you know they had the best uh, the best school results in the region and then uh, they were it was very successful and then people also started bringing you know uh children to attend this uh this school i think it's a combination of so many things and also sometimes we also have very uh, unexpected results uh, like uh, we here in uh, in Senegal, uh, in the rural areas, especially uh, bringing water to the family is the business of the of the girls. And uh, and it takes it's a time consuming. Uh, it takes about six hours a day to get uh, water for the family. Uh, And then if you spend six hours a day, you know, bringing, providing water, you don't have any time, you know, for education. In my district, uh, in my village, we connected one district, uh, which is a herding farming district, which had never uh, running water. We connected it to the water distribution system. The results was it freed the young girl in this district from the chore of bringing water on a daily basis to their families with their, all this amount of time in, on their hands they could attend school you know and uh, i think you know it's uh, i was it's very very pleasing to see this happening so totally unexpected uh, you know it's just difficult to see how water bringing water can be related to education this is also what we learned you know while also implementing these projects in the eco villages
0: oh, sounds yeah like a lot of like these unexpected opportunities come up when you actually start to do something like implement the projects. So um, speaking of projects, uh, I want to sort of go on a tangent to illustrate a point, uh, uh, not a point, just like a a sort of another aspect to to, um, development uh, in the region. So uh, I was once listening to a college admission officer who said like, she was reading all these uh, applications with students going to Haiti to build hospitals and then it got to the to the point that she said she thought like there was a, a hospital every two bo- blocks in Haiti or something and then so my point here is that uh, uh, a lot of time there are foreign uh, aid projects uh, in, in especially in places such as Africa um, that sometimes doesn't take into consideration the culture historical Backgrounds in the area and that fell because of it. So, uh, how does the project of ready Seco villages and the benefit it proposes differ from uh, the foreign types of aid that might not can take can t- uh, take into consideration these uh, specific regional factors?
2: Yeah, you, know, you are absolutely right. Um, you go to a place and then you build, uh, uh, you know, a high-speed train. Uh, ignoring the local realities and the local needs, this is bound to fail. Uh, This is what is really happening at the moment here. We have a leadership, a local leadership, high-level leadership, that is not very much aware of the needs of the local communities. Uh, For example, in my country here, uh, recently, uh, our national government bought a high-speed train for such a big amount of money you just hear this you will just go uh, get sick because it's so much money uh, when you could uh, with this money you could you know build the uh, schools you can bring water to so many places etc. I think you know this, this sense of priorities is not really operating at this uh, level uh, very often and uh, a few years back also in my village was a uh, Free, uh, there was a, a volunteer who came from the US, you know, to start a fish farming project. I think she just wanted to prove herself that, you know, to herself that, you know, this project could uh, thrive in this area. She came, she implemented it alone, there were big fish, everything was successful, and then she left. And uh, the villagers were not connected, were not even informed of what she was doing. I think very often also what's happening here in Africa are uh, very often NGOs, or NGOs have their own agenda that are not really in conformity with also the needs of the local people. And this needs to change, uh, because also what happens is when uh, the West gives uh, some sort of subsidies, I just would like to put this into uh, brackets, uh, to Africa, they uh, export all their, you know, leaders and uh, officers here, which is also... And they stay in hotels in very expensive districts. They have big cars. This is also a way to repatriate also part of these funds back home. And uh, this doesn't make sense at all. Uh, And also when the European Union, uh, instead of supporting uh, local community initiatives, gives big money uh, to the army, to the police, to stop people, you know, illegal immigration, what people need are bridges what people need are support what people need are you know compassion so that and also people um when i see this uh, big wall that the us had been trying to build between its uh, you know itself and uh, mexico this is very sad it reminds me of a uh, of the past uh, you know mistakes in history so uh, what we need actually are People can uh, support one another, can talk, and uh, just uh, yeah, try to live more happily.
0: Yeah, I think that's really a problem that we're facing here in the West as well. We're so polarized and also atomized as a society, and not really trying to communicate. So, and so talking about communication, I want to move on to Camilla to talk a bit more about the international involvement of these eco-villages.
3: Yes, of course. Um, so we would like to ask you about some of the Rides Eco Villages' international involvement and experience. Um, if you could give us some stories that would be, we would be more than happy to listen to them.
2: Thank you. Yes. You know, I think um, also one of the silver uh, line around COVID is that people, you know, could uh, also experience other ways of working, other ways of uh, connecting and cooperating um but i mean our own hi- history our own story with Redis is you know is much came much uh, earlier before covid we have an international uh, group of uh, students uh, experts of all sorts you know uh, forming uh, agile Redis team which is would stand for art you know supporting for example Uh, Today, our website is in five languages, French, English, Portuguese, and uh, uh, what what did I say? French, English, Portuguese. Sorry, there's a there. Don't worry, it's okay. Right. Um, And uh, also Pular, which is spoken by over 100 million people in West Africa, is also used in the website. And this was a gift of uh, young students in Brazil who worked really hard to make this happen. And also, we have recently ended a campaign uh, to uh, collect, uh, to fundraise, to support the ongoing projects. In the past, also, uh, because also many of the eco-villages we have here started with international students and local students teaming up and going to villages to support local. Uh, community projects. Most of the ecological dynamics started like this, um, and uh, of course, Redes uh, is uh, wishes you know to restart all these programs and have uh, students, international students, who come and we recruit an equal number of uh, Senegalese university students. So they can come uh, together, learn. We give them you know um, orientation classes uh, in Dakar. They meet with other. Uh, with other, it's uh, the neighbors who are working. Uh uh And uh, so together they can work um, and learn. And uh, we create, you know, overlapping learning communities. First between students and students and the local communities. Uh, Our vision is really to bring international and local youth, local students together, from uh, one another. They can also serve the communities and serve the Earth. Uh, In the past, we've had uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh, students from the US, from all different other places, and together with local Senegalese university students. And most of the eco-villages in Senegal started this way. Um, And again, working on uh, community uh, projects that matter uh, to the local communities. And the local communities are also involved in these projects, and they take it much further. And so every time, also we, when we come back, also you know uh, support the different processes. Um, for us, I think there's, uh, in spite of internet, in spite of uh, all these uh, uh, TV channels, uh, etc. Very, very little about each other. Very little, against because of all these. Uh, uh, thick walls between us, again, uh, also that keep brainwashing us all over, uh, you know, the the planet. I think uh, it's important uh, to, uh, you know, uh, try and uh, go overcome this uh, through education exchange and, you know, between uh, the youth, uh, between uh, people, between communities. This is also one of the reasons why Red S uh, is trying also to uh, twin with uh, uh, ecovillages in the north. Uh, so so far, we have uh, uh, twinning programs with uh, uh, an ecovillage in Spain called Los Portales. Next week, we're going to celebrate this online. They will sing, we will dance together, we'll exchange our dreams, uh, and we will try also to keep learning from one another. Uh, we are also connected with Damanhur in Italy uh, you know, as a twin uh, our uh, um, eco-village, and we have a number of uh, other uh, partners uh, around the world. You know, in eco-villages and uh, universities. Uh, so yeah, I mean, our dream is really uh, beyond. Also, uh, our daily constraints here, uh, challenges here. We would like to solve this, but at the same time, also uh, reach out to our people. Uh, from around the world so that we can give uh, each other hands, we can work together, we can learn, we can laugh together, we can dance, we can exchange our food, our knowledge and uh, grow from there.
3: That's a beautiful beautiful answer. Thank you so much. Um, Since you brought it up at the very beginning of your answer, I would just like to ask if COVID-19 has um, affected um, this project at all or has impacted it in any way.
2: Yes, we have received uh, less international volunteers uh, and uh, less resources. Uh, but at the same time we have kept you know uh, uh, working, um, planning and uh, you know developing some projects. Uh, while also there were all these uh, traveling constraints. Uh, for example, these uh, past two years we've been able to dig uh 32 uh drinking water wells in different villages uh, giving access to, uh people to water uh, and also giving water to their their cattle and also you know they can also develop some small orchards also around these wells um, so um, this was was also very important um, but again uh, it's um, and also uh, this transborder also eco village hub I think it has also limited our activities our interactions our visits uh, we could not cross the border as we wish and uh, yes so covid has uh, slowed us down i mean right now also i think we are uh, having uh, our waters. our heads are emerging out of the the water and uh, we foresee also the time when we can uh, you know, really, uh, again, cooperate and uh, come together and work. And uh, yes, so uh, definitely, it was a difficult moment, uh, even though Africa was not very much affected as we thought it would be. Uh, so, um, yeah, maybe because of the youth of the African uh, uh, population, because of so, also of uh, the Uh, living uh, styles, because here many people live out, uh, and uh, it's very hot, and uh, people uh, do not live very, very close, uh, except in the big cities, Uh, and maybe it's uh, due to all this uh, that uh, we didn't have uh, as many casualties as we feared we would have to, we would have. Fortunately, uh, also, uh, we slowly getting out of this Uh, the whole region is getting out of this and let's uh, pray that it does not uh, strike uh, us back again so if you don't mind i would like just to add uh, this comment i think what covid has also shown us around this globe that we are one global community one thing whether good or bad in uh, in any other Place on this planet will affect everyone. Uh, we are all related. And I think COVID 19 has made this very clear to us that we are all related. Uh, we are, I mean, uh, no one, no country can just uh, become wealthy, safe at the expense of other uh, countries and other communities. So I think we re- really need to rethink about our own uh, paradigms, our own, uh, uh, you know, uh, way of life has also really opened our eyes and hopefully it will also open our hearts soon.
3: Thank you, thank you so much. And just before we continue on with international involvement and such, um, I would just also like to ask um, what are some other challenges and difficulties that you have faced during your time as president of the Redis Eagle Villages?
2: I think one of the most difficult things is really to change uh, mindsets. That's the most difficult thing. You've got opposition in local communities, oppositions in local governments, all oppositions that, you know, you you, you don't expect. If you Google this, you may see also some of the articles I wrote to criticize the Ministry of Environment of Senegal. And, uh, uh, you know, it was really um, a time of... uh, uh, I don't know, it's a confront, it, 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 to confront all these issues at the same time. But I think, you know, really being a former mayor myself, knowing how local governments work and what their challenges, being a university teacher, uh, being also, uh, you know, someone from a village in the north. I think all this personally, I think, have uh, helped me uh, be prepared to, uh, you know, uh, work through these challenges and, uh, uh, yes, get the things done. I think uh, today we are more and more accepted uh, and all the change we are uh, trying to implement here is being accepted. Uh, today, Redes has signed, you know, partnership agreements with the local government of Gamay on the Senegalese side and also uh, Daryl Barca on the Mauritanian side and the, the National Agency for Reforestation and Ecovillages also uh, is really um, willing to work with us, hands, hands in hands, they associate us with what they do, and which was not the case with the previous uh, team. I think, you know, uh, it's all a question of energy, it changes, uh, but uh, I think as uh, we are determined, we are open, flexible, uh, we will. there will be challenges. I mean, life itself is not uh, easy, challenges uh, we embrace these challenges and accept it to go forward uh yeah and also in total humility uh, learning or being uh, able to open up and learn from everyone around from the the elders in the villages from the officials the government officials from the journalists and connecting and uh, you know having uh, allies and making uh, important alliances at different levels. I think this, uh, helps us, you know, also go forward.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for your answer. Uh, Henry, would you like to continue with, um, your question for international involvement and experience? Um, Yeah,
0: I have only two more questions left and I we will not take any more of your time. (laughs) I'm sure it's very valuable. It's a pleasure. Um, so. First question is uh, in your interview with uh, Global Eco Villages Network in 2013, I think uh, you said that from 10 years from 2013 you see uh, your eco villages having more infrastructure such as uh, community radio station, uh, center for teaching, beekeeping, and fish farming. So are these projects uh, completed? And if so, uh, where do you see your projects in the next 10 years?
2: Uh, that's a very, very good. Uh, that was a dream ten years ago, and uh, we still, um, uh, you know, we're still working also to make this dream happen. Uh, today, we're finishing the building, the construction of an inter-community uh, training center in La Hill, uh, which will play a major role in uh, uh, helping, you know, this trans-border ecology emerge. And around this, we have also a food forest that is also growing. And, uh, yeah, and the idea is also to uh, develop uh, biogas units in the villages to provide light, to provide energy. Uh, And uh, we're still looking for experts. We're still looking for generous hearts, Uh, young people who are committed, who can come and help design and help implement. Uh, You know, the dream is never uh, over. So uh, we still have, we have accomplished a lot. But I mean, the journey is still long and uh, we're looking for uh, caravans of uh, young people, uh, young, I mean, really, the age, it really doesn't matter. Young at heart. Uh, this is what I mean. It can be people who are, uh, who have some, you know, some uh, experience who wants to visit. And uh, yes, I mean, this is uh, an open platform. Um, the villages are open Uh, we have connections uh, in different places and uh, we hope that uh, uh, you know people who would like to visit will come and see and learn and also you know uh, get their hands on what we're doing Uh, yes
0: yeah so talking about so is. yeah
2: uh, sorry my dream also is really to connect to be able to have regular study abroad programs you know, when the students can come as groups, and then we match them with local students here, and uh, we go and plant trees, we go and clean villages, we go and teach, we go and dance together, we go and, you know, visit uh, uh, historic places and uh, interview elders, interview university teachers, and also at the same time use our hands and, uh, you know, sweat in the fields and work for the for the communities. Uh, yeah, if you can pass this message. Uh, to people, we would be really uh, delighted to welcome also.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah my next question is actually in, uh, regarding how our listeners can, can get involved and contribute to uh, Redis Eco Villages.
2: Yeah, we have various um, uh, social media platforms. We are on Instagram, we have this uh, uh, website where you can find our email address and contacts, and then you write, we can connect. Uh, Agile Redes team is uh, also uh, here to uh, help us also coordinate all this international effort. Uh, yes, I think uh, if you Google uh, this, uh, you know, Redes uh, eco-villages, then you can easily come up with, uh, you know, find our addresses and get in touch with us so we can see what... Uh, uh, try and match, you know, the visitors, you know, expertise expectations with also the realities in the village and what is really needed in the village. Yes.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, actually, we'll leave all the links in the description of this episode so everyone can just go you. on and I'll also post them on every social media platform we have. Um, Excellent. Thank you. And also,
2: project. you know, students, uh, many of our newsletters have been written by students because we share this. I mean, uh, we have uh, working sessions where we provide the information, where we provide the pictures, uh, and explain to them. And they keep asking questions like, "Are you doing now?" And at the end, they help you know us you know write these newsletters in uh, in English and also for the social media. People are uh, in different places in Brazil, in the U.S., in other places. And we're looking forward to uh, uh, receiving more uh, volunteers who uh, can also support this uh, and we can develop, uh, you know, a consolation of love, a consolation of support, a consolation of uh, cooperation so that we can work together, learn together, even at distance.
0: Yeah, so sounds really, really fantastic. And thank you. Finally, some one final question, I'll leave it to Camila.
3: Yes. Um, oh, right. Okay. I'm sorry. I was writing a wrong document. Um, so we would just like to know um, what is a message or a piece of advice you would like to leave the audience with before signing off?
2: Thank you. I think um, the world as it is now may be depressing to many. But, I mean, it's a fantastic opportunity for action. We um, need to uh, um, and stand firm on our feet, give each other uh, hands and uh, work together uh, and make this planet a better place. Because uh, I think even the global north uh, is also facing so many challenges. People are lost, disconnected, fragmented. Um, uh, In the South, you know, uh, people are deprived of their own resources. It doesn't make sense. It's irrationality all over the place. And we need uh, to find ways to fix this this, uh, irrationality and make uh, the world, you know, a much better place for our children, for, you know, the future generations and and for us also. Um, um, Yeah, I mean. Uh, we cannot just uh, lose hope and uh, do nothing. And uh, really struggle for uh, making this uh, change, this, uh, uh, our world and also the world to come. Everyone, everyone, wherever they are, can do something to make a difference, uh, whether isolated, whether in the north, whether in the jungle or anywhere. I think depending on what we do, depending on how we see things, we can definitely you know make an impact and change and nothing no action is small makes sense um so uh yeah let's uh try and do uh, positive things for this planet how however small these things are because they will impact and again as i said a little earlier anything we do in one part of the world will definitely impact you know the other part of the world it's just like these small uh um butterfly wings in Australia that can, you know, end up making a storm in Canada or some other places. Uh so everything is related in this uh small planet. Beautiful planet as well.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for that beautiful answer of yours. And nice, Henry, any, any final words?
0: Uh no, I would just like to thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh personally I heard that my humanities uh t uh discussing some possibility of a student trip after COVID. So I think that would be very, very interesting. And I think I will definitely be on that trip myself. Uh, and yeah, uh, other than that, I want to thank you so much again for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you and uh, we'll finish it off here. Thank you so much.
2: Excellent, and thank you. I mean, you've um, this was really a, pl- a pleasure for me uh, to talk to you because i feel you've made a lot of research you've learned quite a lot and uh, oh, thank you so much and i'm really happy also to hear that your faculty members are you know were considering also a trip uh, to here you would be most welcome to learn different things other than what television offers other than what internet offers and uh, here is uh, a uh, very warm welcoming place where you can visit and learn and also work together with the people
0: sounds great i think i'll be be there probably <laughs> perfect oh, thank you so much again
3: thank you thank you so so much
2: in my language the... in my language Djergif. 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 Well, thank you bye bye my friends <laughs> goodbye bye bye Camila. bye henry it was a pleasure Bye.
0: Thank you everyone for tuning in to listen, I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did during the interview.
1: If you liked this episode, learned something, or just want to help out a bunch of students, please leave a review, write a comment, and share this on social media. If you are listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe and write to us in the comments.
0: All the books and other resources recommended by the interviewee are in the podcast description slash video description depending on your platform. And depending on when you see this, you might be able to use our affiliate link to purchase them.
1: The Marianopolis Addendum Podcast is actively seeking local sponsors here in Montréal. So if you are interested, please contact us at the email linked in the description. All the profit generated by this podcast will go back to fund our club's activity. If we have any surplus, they will be donated at the end of every month to a local charity. This episode was edited by Jessica. And the artwork is done by Camilla Huang.
0: The producers and guests associated with this episode express their opinion, but this podcast does not support any political parties. We only aim to bring different perspectives on different issues through the free exchange of opinions and ideas.
1: We look forward to seeing you at our next broadcast. Cheers!